podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters of spooky Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back for another Thursday Whip Around show. We are going to get you ready for Saturday's Farmageddon matchup in Ames, Iowa. We will be going behind enemy lines with Jamie Steyer Johnson, a.k.a. JSJ from the 1012 Network. Also, because Philip at the 1012 Network likes to torture me, the Big 12 game of the weekend, hell, college game days there, is KUTCU. So we'll be hearing again from our friend Andy Mitz to get everyone ready for that game between the last two unbeatens, Tech, or Texas Christian University and the University of Kansas. We will wrap up going to our main man, Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Giving us our whip around, or uh, Wildcat Roundup, excuse me, uh, talking about the latest in K State soccer and volleyball. We will kick it off with Mason Voth of EMA Online, the K State affiliate with the Rivals Network. But before we do, you guys know him, you guys love him. The best beer in the entire state region, and maybe the country, Manhattan Brewing Company. Get out to Manhattan Brewing Company, get a couple pints, and take some four-packs with you back home for this Farmageddon match. If you can't get to Manhattan and get it right from the source, go to your local liquor store, and if they don't have the best Kansas beer in their craft beer section, you pester them until you do, until they do, and you will thank me. I promise. Okay, we are going to kick it over to Mason Voth, and we'll be popping in periodically to do a little traffic control, but enjoy listening to our main man, Mason. What's up, everybody? It's Mason Voth of Email Online with Rivals. I'm the managing editor over there. If you uh, want the lowdown on the cats or to hop on the message boards with some people, which I know can always be a fun or not so fun time for you, or you just want to come over and get some info about the cats, berate me, say nice things to me, all have been done over the first month that uh, I've been on the job over there. I love it. It's great to be back to covering K-State on a full-time basis uh, and not having to deal with the daily rigors of radio. Um, so it's it's been a great start over there, and I'm more than happy to get to bring you the Iowa State Primer because Farmageddon is perfect for me. I have had a lifelong boycott of corn. I don't need just one week to, to not intake corn into my body. I'm not a corn guy. I dislike the texture of it. Um, the taste itself doesn't necessarily bother me, 
but I don't know. Just something about it I'm not on board with. So you're never going to get me to say that corn is better than wheat because it most certainly is not. Um, the only type of corn that I will consume is popcorn, but I've not had popcorn this week. So I'll even take it to that level, and I will not eat any popcorn until after Farmageddon uh, comes to its conclusion. Last week, the, the cats, they looked pretty good. I mean, there was a little bit of a lull in there, but that's to be expected because they have never really played a, f- a free-flowing game against Texas Tech in the Chris Kleiman era. If you think about 2019, uh, very similar to what Chris Kleiman did against Texas Tech this week when he went into halftime and he told the ESPN Plus reporter that they needed to nut up. Um, I think I said a very similar thing to John Kurtz at halftime in Lubbock in 2019 about Courtney Messingham and the offense because they looked like they were scared of doing anything in that game. Then eventually scoring erupts in the second half. Josh Youngblood takes a kickback and they won 30-27. to The following year, they get out to, to their lead. They end up giving it back. Will Howard has to lead the comeback because Rico Jeffers delivered the dirty hits. That wasn't great. And then you look at last year's game in Lubbock, another disastrous start to the game where it's slow. K-State doesn't look great. Felix Anyadike Uzama obviously saves the day, and they were able to get it going. They actually had a fast start this past weekend against Texas Tech, but it's that lull basically from the second quarter until really the last couple of minutes of the third quarter where you started to feel good about them again, but they ran all over the place. Adrian Martinez ran for 171 yards. Uh, That was a career high for him. Deuce Vaughn ran for 170 yards. That was also a career high for him. So it feels like everything was like a quiet big day for the Wildcats, but they put up a, a large amount of rushing yards in that game, and uh, it was pretty impressive for them. The defense made plays when they needed to as well. Texas Tech wasn't able to do as much as they had been able to against other teams, which I think is really uh, an impressive thing. And now, as you kind of look at it, like K-State being 2-0, going to Iowa State, the Cyclones are very vulnerable right now. And, and a lot of the things that Iowa State doesn't do well, like protect the football or protect their quarterback – that's what K-State has excelled at this year defensively. I mean, Iowa State is giving up the most sacks in the Big 12. Uh, they have also had six interceptions from Hunter Deckers this year, who is a little bit of a, of a wild stallion at times. You never really know what you're going to get out of Hunter Deckers. And I think that bodes well for K-State, who leads the Big 12 in interceptions. And they're also one behind Kansas for the sacks lead in the conference as well. So K-State has a pretty favorable matchup from that side of things. Now you flip it around, uh, Iowa State's got a really stingy defense, and they were able to put a, put a hold on the Kansas offense that had been really good last week. But one area that I think benefits K-State when it goes down to this is they have Adrian Martinez and they have Deuce Vaughn, both guys that over the last two weeks have shown that they're okay with kind of biding their time until they get that big play to pop. And I think because K-State has so much more explosiveness to them, that bodes really well on the offense for what they're going to be able to do against Iowa State because I don't think they'll panic if they're not able to get something every time that they're out there because they've already played a handful of games this season where they haven't been able to just consistently pick up yards and go down the field and score. So I think this sets up really nicely for K-State. I also think Iowa State's getting really desperate right now. I mean, they're 0-2. They unfortunately had to join West Virginia as the first couple schools to lose to Kansas, which even if KU is actually good this year, we still don't really know. 
Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow for anybody to see the Jayhawk beating you. So I think Iowa State is going to be in a really tight situation of desperation mode, and I just don't know that you're going to be able to play very well uh, against K-State in that situation. A couple of things of note going into the game. Uh, I mentioned Iowa State being 0-2 and trying to desperately get a win, but I don't know how likely that is. Also, on the injury side, it seems like K-State is maybe trending in the right direction there. Fortunately, some of the guys that went down uh, against Texas Tech, it was nothing serious. KT Leviston got popped in the eye, but he's going to be good to go. He spoke to the media on Tuesday. Eli Huggins, same type of deal. He was down against Texas Tech, but he spoke to the media. Chris Kleiman said he was good to go. So K-State is at least in a decent enough spot there, and everything else seems to be flowing in a really good direction for him. I think what it's going to come down to for K-State to win this game against Iowa State is, like I said, Iowa State is bad at protecting their quarterback. Some of that's because of the offensive line struggling, which has been a criticism of folks up in Ames, but also the fact that Hunter Deckers doesn't put the offensive line in the best situations at times to protect him. And then he has been a little bit turnover worthy with those six interceptions. So K-State's going to have to take advantage of that. Get a handful of sacks, which you feel pretty good about based off what we just saw from Felix Anyadike, Uzama, and Khalid Duke against Texas Tech. And then also get, get some turnovers when the play is there to be made. I mean, take advantage of it. Don't let any of those balls that come out of Decker's hands that kind of flutter or stay up there for a little bit, you, you let them fall to the turf and go, oh man, could have had one right there. So they got to capitalize on those two things. And I, I think early on, I mean, stick to the aggressiveness. Stick to the aggressive nature that, that you've had if you're Chris Kleiman. The last two weeks, you've won the toss and said you want the ball. I know Iowa State's defense is a little bit scary, but I just go pedal to the metal and, and try to get after this thing early because it seems like they're due to have a, a big game against Iowa State after the way the last couple of years have gone against the Cyclones. And everything to me just seems to be going the way of K-State. I I feel really good about this game, which I probably should not, but uh, I absolutely feel good about it. I think K-State wins fairly easily. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game just based off of all the circumstances involved in it, but I'm, I'm going to take the Cats to win the game 24-13. to 13. That seems like a good score right there. Um, Jace Gilbert, the kicker for Iowa State, probably misses a couple more kicks in the game, so... That'll be great to, to see how that goes down. Uh, best of luck to Jace Gilbert handling everything that will go with missing kicks if that happens again. So I feel pretty good about the Wildcats this weekend. I'm sure this is going to come back to bite me in the butt after Saturday night, but that's all right. That's what predictions are for. So that'll do it for me. Uh, hopefully not only did K-State nut up against Texas Tech, you all nut up the rest of the, the work week, get through it, get to Saturday, and uh, be ready for Farmageddon. And I know that everybody will be aggressive on Twitter to try and take down the Cyclone fans that are going to be relentless there. So that'll be perfect. That'll do it for me, Mason Voth. You can follow me over on EMA online with Rivals or at the Real Mason V on Twitter where uh, baseball season ends as I'm recording this. I'm watching the Royals get throttled on the final day of the regular season. So I won't have any more tweets about the Royals sucking uh, until we get to, to March of next year. So when you follow me, it's just going to be all K-State moving forward. So that's good news there. We'll see you. And thank you to Mason, one of our favorites, giving us the primer for the K-State side of Farmageddon. Before we go behind 
enemy lines with, I think, actually no, definitively. Before we go in, uh, behind enemy lines with my favorite cyclone of them all, JSJ, who has her own Iowa State podcast and is on the 1012 pod and is a contributing member to the 1012 network. Folks, we've done it again. We're partnering with Charlie Hustle. So if you want the most comfortable, the most stylish, the best looking K-State gear, whether you're at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, whether you're brewery hopping in Kansas City, in Aggieville, going to away games, hosting a party, or eating some wings at the Peanut or some other establishment, check out Charlie Hustle. Officially licensed K-State gear, check. NIL deals with Deuce Vaughn, check. They have it all. They also have a great Arrowhead collection for those of you who might be going to Arrowhead Stadium for that Monday night showdown with the Raiders. They got you covered. If you just like some great Kansas City icon wear, they have you covered. The Kansas City Hearts, they do them. So check out charliehustle.com today. All right, we're going behind enemy lines, staying in network with my friend, JSJ. So let's see what my favorite Cyclone has to say about this upcoming Farmageddon matchup. Let's go. Wildcat fans, what's up Bosco's Boys listeners? It's your presumably favorite Cyclone here. I'm Jamie Steyer Johnson, also known as JSJ, co-host of the 1012 podcast and host of the Cyclone Family podcast, amongst several other affiliations, including ISU Women's Basketball Radio. But that's not relevant, at least today, because I'm here to talk Farmageddon football. Cyclones are coming off a stinging loss in a game that doesn't really have a nickname, but if it did, it would probably be extremely derogatory due to the fact both schools have done their fair share of dragging down the conference in their time. Now, though, things are looking up, at least for last week's victor, Kansas this year. ISU put on a really solid showing to keep a high-powered Jayhawks offense to only 14 points, but offensive woes and Shockingly, to anyone who has, well, never seen Iowa State play, several major special teams miscues ended up making the defense's efforts all for naught. This game had everything. Trotting out a kicker after he's missed twice for a game-tying field goal, hot potato with turnovers, and injuries, injuries, and more injuries. It was frankly gross, and the only way to be a winner after watching that game was for your team to be victorious. I myself just felt kind of dirty. Now a team that came in with vaguely rebuilding expectations is dealing with recalibrating them several times early. The general consensus among many was that ISU would have some solid pieces alongside growing pains, so hoping for a bowl game would be a solid goal. Then, surviving the non-conference schedule 3-0, including getting that massive Hawkeye off their back, led to some hype building. Unfortunately, the next two games would end just close enough for what-ifs, but leave the Cyclones 0-2 to start Big 12 play. Things have settled back to roughly the expectations we saw coming into this season, if not lowered based on the negative recency bias, 
injuries, and playing calling decisions some would deem questionable. You know those years when your team is bad, but you look at the pieces you've got and think, well, this is just where our ceiling's at. It's not really what's going on in Ames this year, and that's what makes it all the more difficult to swallow being 0-2 in conference. This is an Iowa State team that really, truly needs a win. Both losses have had negativity swirling around them, whether it be regarding penalties, injuries, decision-making, you name it, there's a chance it's gone poorly at least at some point. This kind of game can be a barometer for the rest of the season. Will the coaching staff make adjustments? Will the players keep their heads up? Is the next man up prepared to fill the holes left by injured players? I can't answer that, but we will likely see the answer fairly quickly on Saturday. Vastly different Cyclone teams could take the field depending on who is able to play, as number one running back Gerald Brock was unable to take part in most of the Kansas game due to an injury he was trying to get over. His backup, Cartavius Norton, didn't even make the trip after suffering a new injury in practice during the week after being out most of the season before that. And the predicted starting right tackle, James Remsburg, has seen very little play this year due to a preseason injury. Easton Dean, one of the more productive players at the old reliable tight end spot, is supposedly questionable for the game. In Iowa State's notoriously tight-lipped terms, he may as well be out. And Iowa State's star wide receiver, Xavier Hutchinson, had to take a couple plays out in Kansas after a hard hit. It looks like X will play and likely see some of Remsburg as well, but the other two are huge question marks on a team that really didn't need more. So you're thinking, Jamie, you just gave a list of injured players and keep talking about how bad things look. Who should I even pretend to care about? No worries, folks. I got you. Like I said, Xavier Hutchinson probably plays Saturday, and he's on the heels of most of Iowa State's receiving records to at least crack the top five, and is coming off of back-to-back first-team All-Big 12 seasons. He's averaging 100 yards and a touchdown per game, but hasn't scored yet in conference play. He's a major focus of any defense, especially with diminished running capability around him, so the battle there will be one to watch. You've also always got to watch the quarterback, and Hunter Deckers has shown some different faces this year. After an infuriating game against Kansas, this week will show a lot about his capability to bounce back in the face of adversity. He's got an arm, but hasn't been put in a position to air it out often. If you're seeing deep throws early, Iowa State has made some big changes. On defense, defensive back Bo Frailer continues to make himself known as an adaptable and fierce defender. He's got a solid eye for the ball, and if he can avoid penalties, can put significant pressure on an offense. You also can't talk ISU defense without mentioning Will McDonald. Named to various All-American teams last year, the defensive end averaged nearly a sack per game last year and just over one tackle for loss each game. He's been a bit quieter this year, but certainly still a looming presence on the defensive side of the ball. If Iowa State wants to find that elusive Big 12 win, they'll need to get creative. Nickel and Diming won't do it. They need to open up the playbook and try something new, especially if personnel is limited. Deckers will need to continue to improve his decision making, and the line has to give him some time to do so. Ultimately, they need to find a way to limit their costly errors. No muffing punts, no missing kicks, no interceptions at key moments. It's a tall task, but potentially doable as the defense has given them a halfway decent margin for error by holding offenses below their average. If the defense can take what they learned against another mobile quarterback last week in Jalen Daniels and execute against Martinez, they've got a shot at doing the same this week. For K-State, they'll want to poke with the holes in ISU games. Gamble a bit, make Decker scramble a bit, and you've probably got a pretty winnable game on your hands. I've been impressed with their adaptability game to game, so I'm sure they have a few tricks up their sleeve to contend with the Cyclones defense. Execution is everything, and they've shown theirs to be superior up to this point. 
I keep hoping ISU will get to take part in a fun game full of scoring, but alas, it has yet to be so. This may well be a low-scoring affair. With an over-under currently sitting at 45, I'd be tempted by the under, which is less than thrilling to say. For Iowa State's part, they get what appears to be a blackout under the lights, so hopefully spirits will be high without nerves getting in the way. Whatever the result, I have a hard time seeing it go into a double-digit win either way. <sighs> well, that's all I've got. Maybe not the ultimate wisdom you'll find out there, but I hope you've learned a little something to prepare you for one of the best rivalries the Big 12 has to offer. Can we get a trophy yet or what? Thanks so much for having me. As always, I am Jamie Sire Johnson. You can find me on all social media, but especially active on Twitter at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. And listen to the Cyclone Family Podcast and 1012 Podcasts wherever you're we listening to this now, probably. I won't be on either this weekend as I'm heading off on my honeymoon, but I couldn't pass up this chance to help out my friends over at Bosco's Boys and talk to y'all. It may be toxic online, but I've always quite liked the K-State fan base, so I appreciate you having me on. Talk to you during basketball season, I'm sure. Have a great, safe And thank you to JSJ. She truly is our favorite Cyclone. And don't tell Philip, don't don't tell Andy. She's my favorite on the Monday episodes of the 1012 pod. Speaking of the 1012 pod and Andy, we shortly will be going to him because yes, and, and honestly, I, I can't even be mad at Philip for this one this week. Uh, the KU-TCU game is the game of the week. I do have to say this. I, I do love the fact that there is a Red River uh, shootout rivalry, whatever they call that game down in Dallas these days. It's between two teams unranked 3-2. and two. Every other game in the Big 12 this week is has at least one ranked team in hell. You, you got to enjoy a little bit of the irony of KU and TCU, two teams that have been told their football teams are worth nothing, getting college game day while Oklahoma and Texas are rotting away in a decrepit old stadium, which I guess KU and TCU are as well. But I, I'll i move on. I'll, I'll let Andy, I'll let our friend Andy talk up TCU versus Kansas. But before we do, do you guys want a massive tailgate party? Better yet, do you want to make my bosses at Sports Drink pay for it? Well, check out the link in the bio of this episode and use that to sign up over at our official Sports Book Partners Point Bets USA. Completely legal and sponsors of Bosco's Voice Show. All you have to do is go to the link in the bio of this episode, follow the instructions on the Google form, Place a $10 wager, upload it to the Google form, and boom, we are that much closer to having an all-expenses-paid tailgate party at either the KU game at the end of the year, the Big 12 Championship, or a game early next season. Plus, you get a pretty baller t-shirt as well. So there's a lot of it, a lot in it for you guys as well. So I filibustered enough. We're going to send it to Andy and see what he has to say.
Hey everyone, it's your good friend that covers the Jayhawks, Andy Mitz, over on the Rock Chalk Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, we are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, this wonderful network that we have here. But uh, look, this this Kansas TCU game here to preview the Big 12 game of the week. I, I agree. I think Philip is intentionally making these the Big 12 game of the weeks just so that I can come on and talk to all the Kansas State fans. Um, but this is a huge game. Like this is undoubtedly the game of the week, probably not even just in the Big 12, but nationally as well. Um, you know, this is two undefeated teams, teams that people did not expect very much from at all. Game day will be in town. So the stakes for this one are huge. You know, a guaranteed share of, you know, first place in the Big 12 going through the weekend, whether that's, you know, undefeated for TCU, maybe potentially a game behind whoever or, or, or half game behind whoever's undefeated or for Kansas for sure having the best record in conference. Um, you know, that is a huge stake for this one. So regardless of, however, you know, the undefeated record that you're looking for, the lead in the Big 12, both of these teams have a lot to prove. Kansas needs to prove that they can come back after the Iowa State game, that they can, you know, get the offense back on track, and that the defense was not just a product of Iowa State having a not-so-great offense. Um, TCU, on the other hand, you know, they have gotten off to a hot start. They absolutely demolished Oklahoma, which I think everybody was really happy about, unless you're an Oklahoma fan. Um, but TCU has to show that this was not, you know, that this was more them than it was Oklahoma being bad. Because you look at the schedule that TCU has had, and unfortunately, um, it has not been great. It's been a lot of teams that have that have underwhelmed, that have underperformed, and a lot of teams that I think people are skeptical about the strength of this TCU team. So Max Duggan has been absolutely fantastic for TCU this year. They have a lot of, you know, they, they had a very good defensive effort so far. But the real question is, and it's weird that I'm saying this, this is going to be the toughest test for both of these teams that they've had all season long. So how they perform in this one is going to be huge for trying to figure out what these teams are going to do the rest of the year. Um, obviously, off the field storylines is just the fact that game day is here, that both of these teams are ranked for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, that Kansas looks really good and that, you know, Kansas is potentially having to worry about a head coach who might get poached by other schools. You know, a lot of that's going to happen after the year. So you don't necessarily need to worry about it now. But that is kind of floating over everything. The fact that this is, you know, Kansas's first successful season in a really long time, that it is TCU's first successful season in their first year after Gary Patterson. Like there is a lot riding on this. There's a lot of opportunities for both of these teams to shortcut the rebuilding efforts that they were both looking at. And so this is going to be a huge opportunity for both of these teams to get a big win, to really bolster this season for them and to get them to where they need to be. Now, looking at this on the field, there are probably a couple big things to, to really be looking at. Jalen Daniels and Max Duggan, the quarterbacks for each of these teams, are both Heisman contenders at this point. They both have play, played phenomenally. Max Duggan did not win the starting job coming out of uh, out, out of camp. But an early injury to Chandler Morris, who who actually won the starting job. It wasn't a case where they just went with him. He actually performed better than Max Duggan. Um, you know, but that early injury gave Duggan all of the opportunity that he needed to be able to run with it. And now he has been one of the best quarterbacks in the nation and in the Big 12. Um, TCU also has a whole bunch of other, you know, a, a whole bunch of other skill position players who are really good at what they do. Um you know, so it is going to be interesting to kind of see where they're going to be able to get going, where they're going to be able to attack this Kansas defense. And, you know, Kansas, on the other hand, their offense has to show that they, you know, that the the uh, the limiting that they did, that Iowa State did in that game had a lot more to do with Iowa State's, you know, weird front and that or, you know, just Dalen Daniels and them not playing very well. 
and less to do with the fact that this Kansas team, you know, has been beating up on not nearly as good defenses. So there's still an open question about that. I, I'm freely admitting that, like, you know, there is still a question about how good this offense actually is, or if they've been beating up on, on not so great competition, but you know, we'll get a lot of those answers here. In terms of the most important things for TCU, it's going to be about getting the big plays, getting them early and getting started. Um, TCU, I actually just uh, got done talking with Melissa Trebosser, who covers TCU. And one of the things that she was worried about was the fact that, um, you know, TCU has not been a very good second half team, that they have faded a little bit down the stretch. They've given up big plays, you know, as the, as the game has gone on and they have not necessarily been able to keep up with that, um, with that intensity throughout the entire game. So it's going to be important for them to get started early, to get started fast, to start scoring right away, and then to set themselves up in a situation where they are in a shootout with the Jayhawks so that there's a pressure on the Kansas offense to be as successful as possible. Um, TCU has had a very good showing so far from their linebackers. Unfortunately, they have had some issues with the defensive line trying to get pressure on the quarterback. So if they're able to get pressure on the Kansas quarterback, that will be a huge plus for them. For Kansas, it's going to be about making sure that Jalen Daniels has time to do whatever it is that he needs to do. They've been very good, only giving up two sacks all year long. You know, that part of that I think has been the extra blocking they've had with tight ends or fullbacks or or, or other players to make sure, you know, that they haven't had any kind of issues. Um, the other thing though, too, is that Kansas's misdirection has been really good for them to be able to get them to go and and really get things going. On the defensive end for the Jayhawks, it has been absolutely vital for them to use all of the consistency they have and all of that depth that they have to be able to get on on the defensive end for the Jayhawks. They are going to try to use the depth that they have and the consistency across the two to three deep that they have to continue to exert that pressure. Kansas has been a second half team this year. Um, they have also been a team that, has, that makes great adjustments on the fly. I think TCU is the most evenly matched for them in terms of the teams that they played to be able to do that. So it'll be interesting to see the chess match that we get from the defensive coordinators, from the offensive coordinators, to be able to try to do what it is that they need to do. Um, Kansas, though, you know, that defensive depth they've had, especially along the defensive line, has worn down a lot of offensive lines throughout the year. In every single game, they've gotten stronger as the game has gone on and gotten more pressure going into the fourth quarter. So it's going to be important for TCU to either have a lead um, or to, you know, be operating in such a fashion that they can still get points in the fourth quarter. And Kansas is going to be looking to make a run in the fourth quarter. That's usually where they pull away, or that's where they usually make a huge comeback if they haven't gotten back there yet. Um, so I do think that it's going to be very, very important for both of these teams to get out to a fast start because neither of them want to leave the opportunity for the opposing offenses to just run away with this game. Um, in, in, in terms of game prediction, I do actually have this going the Jayhawks way, them being at home, they have actually gotten a pretty big home field advantage this year with all the excitement that's happening, with everything that's been happening at home. You can see the lift that they've had. And honestly, I think the crowd played a big part in keeping the defense hyped to allow them to be able to win against Iowa State. Um, so I, I am looking for the Jayhawks to get out to a to a, a decent lead at the beginning. TCU is going to fight back. Um, but ultimately, I just think that Kansas is going to bring too much the, the depth that they have is going to wear down what TCU is trying to do. And ultimately, you know, Max Duggan having to make quick decisions because of pressure that's coming in his face at the end is probably going to be the undoing of TCU's offense. Um, Jalen Daniels has been really good about taking care of the ball. So has Max Duggan, but he has shown the ability to make some mistakes. And ultimately, I think that's going to end up what happens. We're going to see a really high-scoring game. 
I, I do think that the Jayhawks are going to win this one, though. It, it's I, I, my guess is gonna, that's going to be forty-two to thirty-five Jayhawks. But regardless, I think this is going to be a great game. This is going to be a game that I think is going to entertain a lot of people. And the fact, like it's it's a it's unfortunate that it's on FS1 while the Red River rivalry is over on ABC. But I do think that it is going to be one of the highest rated FS1 games that we've seen in a long time because there are a ton of people already talking about this game. I have yet to to listen to a national show or listen to anybody who talks about this college football weekend that has not highlighted this game already and already been talking about this game and just how crazy it is to have these two teams that are undefeated at this point in the season. So um, looking forward to this one, looking forward to seeing how the rest of this season plays out. But if you guys want to get any more information about the Kansas Jayhawks, you can de- definitely follow me um, over on the podcast account at Rock Chalk Pod. Um, I also do cover all of the Big 12 over on the 1012 uh, podcast, the, the flagship podcast of our network here uh, every single Monday, recapping the week that was. I've been trying to be as fair as I possibly can to Kansas State this year, so hopefully you guys won't hold that against me. I do think that they have surprised me, and I am willing to give them all the kudos that I possibly can. But, uh, uh, but looking forward to another great... And thank you to Andy Mitts. Well, we're getting to the end of another Thursday Whip Around show. We are going to end the show with my favorite co Actually, no. I still love Connor. But one half of my favorite K-State sports podcast, the Aggieville Alley Cats. If you're not listening to them, if you're not listening to Cocaine Willie, if you're not listening to Three Maw, uh, the Power Cat podcast... Uh, the game, obviously the game, Three Maw, uh, College and Kimball, all these great K-State podcasts. I don't know what you're doing with yourself. Support your local, independent in some cases, sometimes affiliated, but support your K-State podcast, folks. A lot of work goes into this community. Make sure you're supporting all the great shows. Uh, and also... Be sure to check out all of our great sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company. Get your beer there. CharlieHustle.com. Get your gear there. PointsBetUSA. That's where you should get your bets in. And use the link in our bio so we can make sports drink pay for an extravagant tailgate before a K-State football game either this year or early next. So without further ado, we're kicking it to my main guy, Ace Edwards, to hear how soccer and volleyball have done this past week. We love you guys. Okay. Hello to all the lovely boneheads of the world, and welcome to this week's Wildcat Roundup, where we take a look back at the previous week in non-rev sports to give you the results and top performers of all of those sports. If you don't know me, I am Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats, and I'll be your host this week, so thank you to Scott Wildcat for allowing me to come on the show and talk a little bit of non-rev sports with you, but... Without any further ado, let's get straight into this week's roundup by talking about K-State women's soccer. The first match that K-State women's soccer had that we'll be covering was up against the Oklahoma State Cowgirls in Boozier Family Park on the 25th of September. 
The Oklahoma State team entered this match 8-2-1 on the year with a 1-0 conference record. And unfortunately, the Dabini Cats walked away losers from this contest. And really, it wasn't particularly a great game to watch. The lone score and goal of the day was scored by the Oklahoma State Cowgirls in the fifth minute by Gracie Benbotel. And that was her third goal on the year. But K-State just couldn't get much going throughout the entirety of this match. They only had five total shots, and none of them were on goal. However, they did have four saves. But overall, it was a pretty forgettable performance for the Beanie Cats, which unfortunately seems to have been a little bit of a common reprieve recently. But nevertheless, there was still a decently attended affair. 8.851 in attendance. In terms of individual statistics, again, there isn't much to talk about. Kaylee Thornhill had a shot, Marissa Weichel had a shot, and Jasmine Brown had a shot. But other than that, and Sophie Harlan, as well as Ada Anderson, all getting shots in, or Andrew Moeller, my correction, no one else really, there's not much to talk about statistically. It goes down as another loss to move the Kansas State soccer team to 4-5-2 on the year with an 0-1-1 conference record. This moves us on to the next soccer match, which was Socktoberfest, for those unfamiliar, which was a special event. It was quite nice. You got a Pilsner glass if you showed up, which I didn't mean to make you feel bad if you didn't, but, you know, it was a cool event. This was up against the number nine team in the country in the Texas Christian Horn Frogs, and it was, again, at Boozier Family Park. Very well attended game as well, 866 in attendance, and another 1-0 loss for the K-State. The only goal was scored in the 43rd minute by Chalen Hubbard by of TCU. However, Kansas State did manage to get a few more shots off, eight with four of them being on goal. However, they were massively outshot by TCU, 19 with nine of their shots being on goal. But of course, we did have pretty solid goalie play from Elena Wehrmeyer, who's proven to be one of the most reliable pieces of this team as soon as she's arrived on campus. So once again, this moved Kansas State to 4-6-2 on the year with an 0-2-1 conference record. But are you really going to complain about losing only by one to the number nine team in the country? I mean, you can. It's your prerogative, but... I'm choosing to take the optimistic approach and say we at least kept it close. But in terms of what is upcoming for the Dabini Soccer Cats, is the next matchup for the Soccer Cats will be this Thursday, October 6th, up against the Texas Longhorns down in Austin, Texas. It'll be broadcast on the Longhorn Network, so if you're brave enough to watch it, be prepared for a whole lot of horns that you would really rather be flipped upside down. The Longhorns are 8-1-3 this year, so it'll certainly be a tough matchup for head coach Dabini and the Soccer Cats. But after that, they stay down in Texas and head to Waco for their matchup up against the Baylor Bears on Sunday, October 9th. That will be broadcast on ESPN Plus as a part of Big 12 Now. The Bears are having a bit of a down year this year and are 2-6-2, but as always, the Big 12 is a tough enough soccer conference that it'll certainly be a matchup to watch. And of course... Going away from Boucher Family Park for the Dabini Cats is never particularly easy. But, as always, support the women's soccer team because they have a pretty good chance of beating Baylor down in Waco. 
possible, of course, knock on wood. Moving on to the next non-rev sport that has news to cover, and that is volleyball. First match we will be covering was one that I was in attendance for and was broadcast on ESPNU, and that was the Farmageddon Volleyball Edition, Iowa State versus Kansas State. Iowa State entered this match 9-6 with a 1-2 conference record. Meanwhile, K-State entered 9-6 with a 0-2 conference record, losing to KU earlier in the year, being the most notable of them. However, K-State bounced back from what had been a reasonably long losing streak of four games to blank the Iowa State Cyclones in Bramlage Coliseum, and the scores of the sets went 25-18, to 26-24, and 25-20. Now, this was an excellent game for all involved, especially on K-State, who out-aced the Iowa State Cyclones 11-2, and also just, it was a solid game overall. In terms of top performers, the leader in kills was Shaley Myers for the Kansas State Wildcats, followed by Sydney Boulding and Elena Baca. Shaley Myers with 17, Sydney Boulding with 10, and Elena Baca with 6. In terms of aces, Sydney Boulding had herself 4, Lauren Hinkle had 3, and Mackenzie Morris had 2. In terms of digs, as always, the always reliable Mackenzie Morris had 22 and had herself one of the best games that I've seen her in a Kansas State uniform. In terms of individual statistics, you can see that we had a pretty solid day all around. We had a high hitting percentage from players such as Aaliyah Carter, who hit 333 exactly, and Shaley Myers, who hit 311, whereas Shaley Myers had a total of 19.5 points. And it was all around a wonderful matchup, which moved Kansas State to 10-6 with a 1-2 Big 12 record. And also, before we talk about the next match, we also have a little bit of hardware that was handed out to Shaley Myers as she was the Big 12 Rookie of the Week. So congratulations to Shaley Myers for that honor. But the next volleyball match actually just wrapped up from the time of recording, and that is the matchup up against the West Virginia Mountainettes. And that was a 3-0 victory in favor of your Kansas State Wildcats, in which every single set actually was a come-from-behind victory. So credit to the resilience of this team at the very least. The set scores went 25-22 in favor of the Cats. Well, it's 3-0. They all, they all went in favor of the Cats. And then 28-26, and then 25-18. All of those, as I said previously, were come-from-behind victories. And in terms of top performers, Elena Baca had herself a game, hitting 412 on her percentage with 8 kills and 8 digs and 2 blocks. And as always, Mackenzie Morris had 16 digs to her name, which... Honestly, for her, that seems like a pretty pedestrian performance. All in all, it was another solid team victory for the Kansas State Volleycats. And it moves them to 11-6 on their record this year and 2-2 in conference. As for what's upcoming for the Volleycats, they get a nice weekend of rest this week, of rest and relaxation, and will be up against best in conference Texas Longhorns, who are a perfect 12-0 on the year next Wednesday. K-State will need to play spoiler to their so far perfect season down in Austin, and everyone will need to be firing on all cylinders every single set, but look for special performances by Elena Baca and Mackenzie Morris 
if K-State is to pull off the massive upset against the University of Texas at Austin in Austin. But that's pretty much my time, my friends. Thank you all so much for having me, and I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Wildcat Roundup. If you want to hear more from me and even more in-depth coverage of all things K-State sports, please be sure to check out me and my co-host Connor Balthazar on the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We post every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, with Mondays being our football game recap, Wednesday being the most in-depth football scouting report you can get from a K-State podcast, and Fridays being the weekly recap show of all recruiting and non-rev sporting news. If you want to contact us at the show, you can follow us at Aggieville ACATS. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and CATS. And me personally at ACEdwards00. Thank you to Scott for having me on the show. Go Cats, and naturally, stay safe, boneheads. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater, from sea to sea, onward forever, hail victory. Fight, UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.